Hello and welcome to the podcast from Holy Trinity Westerhales. We're delighted that you've joined us for this week's podcast and pray that you would be blessed through it. Father God, we do worship you. We thank you for being in your presence and we thank you for your glorious kingdom. And we pray, Lord, all the ways that your kingdom would come from heaven here on earth that you would be pleased to come today and meet with us with all the good things your kingdom brings. And so may the speaker decrease so that Jesus Christ of Nazareth would increase, for we ask it in his holy name. Amen. Amen. We're in Hebrews 12. We read there in verse 18, you've not come, not come, to a mountain that can be touched and that's burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying. This was the giving of the Ten Commandments, by the way. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Um, in my Bible, it's kind of, I've got headings in my Bible. Some Bibles do have headings, some don't. Um, and I think I've said to you before, those, uh, those headings are sometimes helpful in finding things, but I have to always be reminded, it's not the Word of God. And so don't put too much store upon them because they could lead you astray because it's not the Word of God. And it could tell you this passage is about one thing and really it's about something else. But in this particular case, I think it's really helpful because it's my, in my Bible, it's headed the mountain of fear and the mountain of joy. And if you are in any way connected to a television set in the week and watch the news or are connected to social media or speak to your neighbors, if your neighbors speak to you nowadays, you'll be so aware of the fact that people are kind of living on a mountain of fear. There's just a mountain of fear, just so many things that we're told that we, we need to be frightened of. And some of those things we're legitimately frightened of. Other things we just seem to be frightened of because other people are frightened of them. And are you aware of just how much overexposed we are to that mountain of fear. And you speak to people, and even though we know watching stuff constantly or being on social media constantly feeds those fears, it's like a drug <laughs> that we can't help ourselves getting more, and we find ourselves even more trapped on this uh, mountain of fear. And God would want to say to us this morning, as we come to his word, that is not the mountain that you've come to in Jesus Christ. You have not come to the mountain of fear. And, and those fears uh, often to do with the fear of death, certainly for the people of God whom uh, these words were written to and we read about in, at the giving of the Ten Commandments. It was right that they were, they were scared, because God was there, and he is greatly to, uh, greatly to be feared. And it was to do with the fear of death. Even if an animal, it says, touched the mountain, it, it, it would be stoned to death. And coming into the presence of God can be an awesome, uh, an awesome reality. But we're reminded that in Christ, we haven't come to that mountain. We haven't come to the mountain of fear. 
And uh, we were having the, uh, the Alpha, uh, we, we did a sort of early evening away and uh, we went to Ian and Sonia's house and we, were, we just had just the most marvelous time in God's presence together, the Holy Spirit just with us. And, um, and somebody uh, who uh, was with us, it wasn't a lot of us, maybe 10 or 11 of us, and we ate together and we shared testimony of how God has moved in our lives by his Holy Spirit. And then we began to pray for, for one another and the Holy Spirit came in just, just such a wonderful way. I, I drove home just with my heart soaring. I think it was one of my favorite nights ever in my 17 years of being at Holy, Holy Trinity uh, Church. And uh, Colleen showed me a little post online uh, on Facebook. I don't go on Facebook, but uh, uh, she saw a post from someone who was on, who, had, who was feeling in a particularly, uh, a darkness had come over her. And uh, as, as she was prayed for, and as the Holy Spirit was there, she just felt the darkness go. And she wrote on uh, Facebook this, and uh, if we can go on to the next uh, screen, hopefully, um, if it's working, otherwise I'll read it out. It's, uh, it says this, feel like... I could sing from the highest mountain with joy and happiness and inner peace. When you know, you know, amen. We'll need to go back a few slides if you want to get that uh, up on the screen. But just feel. Now, this person, can we go back? Is it working at all? No, let's forget about it then. Okay, so... But just this idea that feel I could sing from the highest mountain, this person just, just filled with, with joy in the, the Holy Spirit. Now, for so many people, uh, this person included, they'll remain nameless in that, some people grow up in, uh, in religious systems where fear is the kind of chief tool of control. One or two of you here uh, were caught up in cults in your younger years and Jesus in his mercy brought you out of that and brought you into his kingdom and you find out that the kingdom of God is all about, I've mentioned it already, righteousness, peace and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is about. Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so that is what Christ wants to bring to you for everyone who's in Christ. And so I want to speak about the mountain of joy this morning. There's a, a pastor and theologian, he's called uh, Aaron Thomas, and uh, he calls this passage uh, Seven Reasons for Joy. And we're going to go through those seven reasons very, very quickly. Um, if you take notes, I'd advise you just to write them down because they're reasons for joy and it's good to keep them. If you want to be uh, a teacher of the word, then you will take notes. Honestly, if you want to be a teacher of the word one day, then I would advise you with all my heart, take notes. It's a brilliant way of learning how to teach the, the word of God and it'll become a resource for you uh, in the future. And so I'm going to give these uh, seven reasons uh, for joy. And there's one thing I want you to notice about all seven of the reasons that were given here in Hebrews chapter 12. Not one of them has to do with our earthly circumstances. Not one of them is to do with how well things are going for us in our lives. Because the easiest Christian for the devil to steal their joy and to take them out is the Christian who needs calm waters in their life to know the joy of the Lord. The Christian who needs everything and their plans working out in order for joy to be their portion in their life. 
The devil can take you out so easily. And you have got reasons for joy today that are nothing to do with your earthly circumstances right now. So let's go through them. Verse 22. We're only going to cover three verses, verse 22 to 24. But here it is. Reason number one. You live in the presence of God. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Now, whenever we find this phrase, Mount Zion, used in the Bible, uh, Zion is used of the city of David, Jerusalem, the city of, of God. But when Mount Zion is used, it's always referring to God's uh, dwelling place, God's presence and God's rule in a place. And so the first time we actually read about uh, Mount Zion is actually in the book of the Psalms. And uh, this is what it says. You'll know that because we sing this. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the heights of Zaphon, they were sacred mountains in Canaan, uh, like the heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. So the thing that we really need to know about uh, Mount Zion is God is within her. God is present. And you have a reason for joy this morning because you live in the presence of God because you have come, according to Hebrews, if you're in Christ, you have come to Mount Zion. And because you've come to Mount Zion, you live in the presence of God. And what does the Bible say about the presence of God? It says, in your presence, there is what? Fullness of joy. That's the place where there is joy. And so you have a reason for joy this morning. The first reason, you live in the presence of God. Reason number two, if it's working, you make angels rejoice. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. There are three times in the Bible where we're told that the angels rejoice. They probably rejoiced a lot more than that. But specifically in, in, in Job chapter 38, we read about angels. It talks about the morning stars um, uh, celebrating the angels rejoicing at the creation. That includes you and me, by the way, as the pinnacle of God's creation, made in God's, image, in God's image. And then we read about the angels rejoicing at the incarnation, when Jesus is born in Bethlehem, when God becomes flesh, and we read about the angels rejoicing in the skies, the shepherds are seen them, because God has come to earth. And then the third time, it's when Jesus speaks about it to his disciples. And he, sa he says this, he says, there is rejoicing in heaven in the presence of the angels when one sinner repents. So in other words, when we're all sinners in need of Jesus, in need of God's grace. We all need to come to Jesus. But when we come to him, when we turn from our sins and we, we come to him, it tells us that there is a party in heaven and the angels are singing and they're dancing over you because you've come back to God. 
And if angels are rejoicing over you coming to God, then that's a good reason for you to rejoice as well, because their perspective is much better than your perspective here on earth. And they see the real story. And that's a reason for joy this morning. Angels rejoice over you. Third reason. Your name is written in heaven. What does it say here in Hebrews? It says, you have come to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. God knows your name. Jesus spoke about a day that's coming when we shall all stand before God. And he says, the books will be opened. And everyone whose name is not found in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into outer darkness. And I don't say that lightly. But here's the good news for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, who everyone who comes to Jesus, who believes and receives him, their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And when those books are open, your name will be there if you've believed in Jesus. Now, why is that a reason to rejoice? Well, Jesus spoke about that very specifically because he spoke about a time when He'd sent the disciples out to preach and to heal the sick, and to cast out demons, and they'd come back to Jesus absolutely pumped because they couldn't believe it. It worked. And they started telling people about coming to Jesus and receiving salvation and entering the kingdom, and they came with open arms that day. And when people were sick and they brought sick people to them, they would lay their hands on them, and everyone was healed. The disciples couldn't believe it. Jesus wasn't even with them. And they were being healed. There were people who were oppressed by evil spirits. They were demonized. And they would just command in Jesus' name for that demon to go. And it was like light came back to their eyes. And they, were, they, 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 they could think and see. And, and they were in their right mind again. And the disciples were like, wow. And they come back to Jesus. Jesus is amazing. Even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, do not rejoice over these things. Do not rejoice over that. In other words, over what's going on here on earth, over what you can see right about you, your circumstances, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is what we're to rejoice in. Through faith in Jesus Christ, your name is written in the book. I used to go around with a t-shirt in my younger foolish days with, with a t-shirt that said rock and roll, I told you, told you before. And uh, it looked like rock and roll from a distance, but when you got closer to the t-shirt, it said, my foot is on the rock and my name is on the roll. It was, che it was cheesy nonsense and that. I don't think I'd even dare wear it any anymore on that. But it, it, tell, it told the truth. Our feet are on the rock, which is Jesus, and my name. Your name, if you've believed in Jesus, is written in the book. And we're to rejoice. That's, that's a reason to rejoice. Amen this morning? We need one or two amens this morning. We've got a reason to rejoice. Our names are written in heaven according to Hebrews here. Fourth reason to rejoice. You have come to God, the judge of all. A reason to rejoice this morning. God is just. Now, you may think, wait a minute, why is that? Why? God is just. He's the judge of all. God is going to uh, bring about his justice, he says, and that right soon. And maybe that seems something that you think, well, why would we rejoice in that? Well, here's the thing. 
Jesus. Because all judgment has been given to the Son, Jesus is going to make everything right one day. He's going to put everything right. Every sin, actually, is going to be paid for, either by Jesus or by those who've done it when they've not trusted in Jesus and not had their sin taken away from them. And Jesus is going to make everything, all the wrongs that you've suffered in, in your life, all, all the things that uh, you've had to put off and sacrifice in this world because you love Jesus, he's going to put everything right. And why is that a reason to rejoice? Well, the book of Proverbs tells us just uh, explicitly, 21.15, it says, when justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. So when I talk about God being just, it only brings terror to those who have not been forgiven. But for those who are righteous, and remember, I've just said, but we're sinners. So how are we righteous? Well, we're righteous in Jesus Christ. When we put our trust in him through the cross, Jesus takes our sin upon himself and he imputes to us, to use the fancy word, onto us, his righteousness, and we become righteous in God's sight. And when God is coming in his justice to put everything right one day, then that is a reason to, to rejoice. Because when justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous. Amen. What number are we on? Number five. Here we go. We get to hang out with legends. You have come to the spirits of the righteous made Perfect. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? You have come to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You see, there's, there's only one church. <laughs> it's not Holy Trinity, by the way. <laughs> there is only one church. It includes all the people we've been speaking about over the past weeks. Abraham and Moses and Elijah and David and Ruth, and Samson, and the apostles. And there's only one church. And the, the one church is believers on earth, in the body, it's you and me, okay, across the world, and believers in heaven who are in spirit right now. But we're all awaiting that one day when we're all going to get our new resurrection bodies at the final resurrection. And so there's only one true, true church. And you're part of that church. Amen. You're part of that. All, the, all these, all the greats that the Bible talks about, they're in your family. You, you belong to them. They belong to you. And you're all one in Jesus Christ. That's a reason to rejoice this morning. I know this, uh, this illustration is a bit worldly, but I was, I, was, uh, I, was, I went to a church once and um, I was worshiping the Lord and I saw this guy uh, in, in the section I was in and I was looking at him going, he looks familiar. Anyway, during the church service, he gets called up onto the chancel to be interviewed and he started to share a bit of his testimony. And it turned out he was uh, Bubba Watson, the the, uh, the golfer, and he won the Masters, Masters Golf. And uh, he was kind of vaguely familiar. I mean, I, don't really, I didn't really know who he was and that, but I knew, you know, found out he'd won the, master, the Masters Golf and that. And there he was, worshipping the Lord. And I did have the thought, 
just that, isn't it amazing to be part of the church of Jesus Christ across the world? We get to hang out with legends here in the, here in the Bible. That's a reason to rejoice this morning. Where are we? Number six, you have a mediator. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. You have come to Jesus, the mediator. Now, you may have heard the word mediator this week because you would have, uh, if you watch the news, you'll have seen that absolutely scandalous story of P&O ferries just sacking 800 people on the spot with no warning by video message and told this is your last day and your employment is terminated. And immediately people were, were, were screaming and shouting, why hadn't a mediator been brought in? Because that's the normal process that, that, come, that goes by. So um, when, when there's something going to happen and if a company or a government want to make it work, they'll bring in a mediator and the mediator is there to represent a higher authority to a lower authority. So in other words, um, if the employer, the employer has a wee bit more power than the people who, who work there. And so they bring in a, a mediator. If they don't want it to work and they don't care about their employees, they won't bring in a mediator. They haven't done in this particular case. But here's the, here's the good news. It, the Bible tells us Jesus is our mediator and God decided, though he is the higher authority, he said, I'm bringing in a mediator here. It may be worth saying that the book of Hebrews also tells us that Jesus is our intercessor, which has the opposite effect. That is when someone represents a lower authority to a higher authority, and Jesus is our intercessor. He lives to make intercession for us. In other words, he represents us lower authority than God, to God the Father. That's the intercessor. That's not what we're talking about here. This is the opposite. This is a mediator representing the higher authority to us. And here's the great news about Jesus, our mediator. He's like totally on your side. <laughs> he's totally for you and not against you. And he's offering you the greatest deal in history all your sins, everything you've ever done to harm anyone else, to hurt anyone else, and to offend God, he takes upon himself, upon the cross. And everything that Jesus did, all his perfections, all his love, his glories, his goodness, his righteousness, he puts on you. You cannot get a better deal than that in all of history. Jesus is our mediator. You've got a mediator. You're not left on your own like these poor piano staff. You, Jesus has given you a mediator. Amen? Reason to rejoice this morning? You're not on your own. Final one, number seven. You have come to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You have come to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So here's a reason, the final reason to rejoice this morning. You are sealed in Christ. The sprinkled blood 
meant something to those who knew the Old Testament because when a priest would sprinkle the blood, he would make the, the, the blood in, that was sacrificed in the temple was splashed onto the objects that were in the temple and onto the people who would come into the temple courts. He would sprinkle it on them and it was the priestly sign that you were included in the covenant promises of God. So when the, the blood was sprinkled on you, it said, you're, you're included in this. God's made a promise to you. God's made a promise to his people, and you are included. And so when it speaks about it in the New Testament, it talks about the blood of Jesus being shed on the cross. And when we talk about sprinkled blood, it's about saying you are included in the promises that Jesus gives through his death on the cross, that you are included in Christ. And that blood speaks a better word, it tells us, than the blood of Abel. Now, you probably know the story of Cain and Abel. It's probably one of the most famous stories in the whole of the Bible. Cain and his brother Abel, and Abel, they both offer a sacrifice to God. One's accepted, Abel's, and Cain's is not accepted. And Cain's furious in his anger gets so much the better of him, he ends up killing his own brother. And God comes to him and says to Cain, where's your brother Abel? And Abel sort of gets all defensive and says, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? And God says, listen, the blood of your brother calls out to me from the ground. The brother he'd killed. The blood was calling out from the ground to God. And what was it calling out? It was calling out for justice. It was calling out for vengeance. It was calling out for separation from God because of what he'd done. What a contrast with the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Abel was calling out for justice and the blood of Jesus calls out and cries out for mercy. The blood of Abel called out for vengeance. But the blood of Jesus calls out for grace. The blood of Abel called out for separation from God. There's no hope for you ever, Cain. You've killed somebody now. But the blood of Jesus calls out for reconciliation with God through the blood. You are sealed in Christ when you believed in him. So seven reasons for joy this morning. You have not come to the mountain of fear. You have come to the mountain of joy. And all these joy reasons you can have joy this morning, nothing to do with your circumstances. And maybe just right now, you're just aware in your life there's just a lot of fear there and there's things and if you closed your eyes right now it would seem like a mountain a mountain that could never be climbed never be beaten a mountain that could never be removed and God in Christ is coming to you today and he says if that's the mountain you're seeing before you if that's what you're living with right now you've come to the wrong mountain <laughs> This is not the mountain you've come to. You've come to the mountain of joy and it's not to do with your earthly circumstances right now. It's to do with what I've said, what I've done. 
and what I will do for you in the future. And you've got a reason for joy today. And there's something about climbing that mountain of joy, climbing any mountain and just getting the vista, the panorama. When we climb that mountain of joy today, we get a, a vista panorama of God's work for mankind through Jesus for you and for me. And so I'm just going to pray because God's kingdom is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to pray that you would know that joy and you'd be able to hold on to those things that are not to do with everything working out. Not even to do with having peace in this world, although we long for that and should fight for that. It's not, we're not waiting to have joy once COVID is over. You can have joy in God's kingdom because of what Christ has done today. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've rescued us from mountains of fear and you've brought us to the mountain of joy through Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come and you are able to fill our cup. The world can't fill our cup. But God, you can fill our cup. And Lord, we want to be those people whose joy level is set by what you've said, what you've spoken, what you've done. But we confess all too often it's set by what other people say or other people do to us or things working out. Have mercy upon us, Lord. We're weak, but you're strong. Help us to believe by faith in what Jesus Christ has accomplished. Thank you, Lord, that we live in your presence. And in your presence, there's fullness of joy. We rejoice that our names are written in heaven. We rejoice that we're sealed in Jesus Christ. That we're surrounded by such a great cloud of, um, of witnesses who've gone before us, living the faith, because even on the mountain of joy, there's blood, sweat, and tears. But there's your joy. And would you flood our hearts with your joy by the Holy Spirit now. Come, Holy Spirit. Seal in us your promises. Thank you that we can meet with you. Amen.